So we're going to end our ecclesiology series with a little bit of a debate. And Dan and I, we're going to settle. We're going to settle a score. We started the first episode on this series fight, on the fight, 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 fight. <laughs> so today, this is. I don't think this is going to be a major debate. It's a mini debate. No, it isn't one that I. It's a friend, it's not a hill I want to die. It's a on. friendly debate. Yeah, we're going to go out and have a coffee afterwards. No. <laughs> well, it depends if you if you annihilate me and humiliate me, I'm, I'm going to go in my office and pout. <laughs> so, and again, this, th- what's interesting about this topic is there's a lot of, um, I think even on our staff, even on our elder team, there even between Dan and Ben, even between you and I, we fall on different sides of of the aisle on the, on this issue. And th- the whole point, the issue that you we brought up in the very first episode on ecclesiology was. Who is allowed to exercise the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper? And so you feel a certain way. I feel a certain way. We shouldn't feel, I shouldn't say feel. You probably hate that description. We have different beliefs. I know what you mean. We have different beliefs about who's allowed to do that. And Hmm. so what I'd like to do is I'd like first for you to present your position and I'll present my position. All right. Well, I'll present part of my position because you you don't want to hear a 15 minute. Again, we're not willing to die on this. Not willing to die on it. Yeah. But I I do believe that that order and structure is part of the way God does business Mm -hmm. and and so forth. He established offices in the church and assigned to those offices responsibilities for the watch care and governance, the resolution of disputes, and the confirmation of leadership and sound doctrine within the church. Mm. And so because of that, I believe that there are certain things that are reserved for the offices. Mm -hmm. And I believe that among the offices of elder, within the office of elder, is a responsibility for the doctrinal integrity of the church, for the primacy of prayer and Bible study, Mm -hmm. but also for the execution of the ordinances. Mm -hmm. There are not seven ordinances, as the Catholics believe, Mm -hmm. but there are two very simple, very clearly established by Christ, and that is communion Mm -hmm. and baptism. They they are a public demonstration of core doctrines to the church, and as such, I would contend that they need to be overseen by the leadership of the church, which not only gives them credibility, but accountability as well. Um, and so, you know, so I, I believe that within the person, within the scope of the responsibilities of an elder pastor, um, it not, not only is the spiritual leadership, but there needs to be a level of theological competence mm-hmm. that's there. For instance, do you know why you're taking communion? Do you know what it is? Do you know what it isn't? Do you, when, when baptism, do you know why we use the mode of baptism that we do? Do you know why it is, you know, assumed to be public? Um, and, and so, not only that, I believe that there is also some spiritual oversight that is assigned at that moment. They're under your care. They're, that uh, you've had an important part in a landmark um, step in their spiritual progression. As such as, you know, when I serve on an ordination committee, I would assume that if that person becomes theologically unsound, particularly as the chairman of that, mm-hmm. that I have to take action. So mm. that there was an oversight involved in the formal biblical process of ordination. So why wouldn't I feel the same when it comes to these two ordinances? That mm. that that I also believe it provo- provides order and unity. Every once in a while, I hear this wild, these wild stories about, yeah, we did communion, but uh, you know we were out, you know we were out with some friends, and there wasn't anything handy, so we used popcorn and Coca Cola. Or, um, you, you know, we just, we, we were having hamburgers and french fries and so forth. So we just, we just said, we'll use these elements. And, 
to me, that's grossly sacrilegious. Mm -hmm. it's, it's disorderly and it creates disunity because immediately you got people saying, whoa, 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 whoa. So that, that's, that's a problem. Also, I believe that there's, there's authority in the church mm -hmm. and I believe the authority of the church resides in the elders. And when the elders are present at the, the uh, ordinances or at these services, whether it's the preaching of the word or the joining in marriage or the oversight of a funeral or the establishment of an ordination, that, that it gives it credibility. It gives it, it gives it, um, you know, the authority of, of the office. Mm -hmm. So why would, why would it not be the same for, um, the, the ordinances for, for mm -hmm. baptism and, and for, for communion. The other thing is I think it protects against abuse. Um, wh whether it is using inappropriate elements or, or whether it is um, baptizing somebody that isn't ready, or maybe we baptize somebody who doesn't understand baptism. Uh, maybe it's a child too young, which, you know, I've mm -hmm. experienced what mm -hmm. that, what that, mm -hmm. the consequences of that um, and, and, and so forth. So it, it allows her to be some, some level of accountability so that the ordinances are not denigrated or abused in some way. So that's just kind of a real, yeah. real quick over, over okay. my position. Um, yeah, I think, I think you make a lot of legitimate points. And I think that the reasons why of what, of why you hold to that, I think there are some legitimate concerns, especially with the abuses and the misunderstandings of what could be there. So what, the position, and I, I have this position has been an evolving position for me because probably when I started out in ministry, I would say I had very similar um, beliefs as you. But as I, the more I, the, the more I really got into, especially discipleship culture and really understanding, especially the early church, how it operated, I felt like the early church operated under the sense of their, this priesthood of believers concept that you see. So, for example, um, you know, when you see Jesus in the so my my contention is that any believer can baptize any other person and any person within the church has the authority to have to you know to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Okay? That's just my contention. Can or should? They can. Doesn't mean they should, but but they can. They have the Do you disagree that they can't? Well, there's nothing to prevent them. I don't think they should. Okay. So, but would you say that they should, Ben? I'm trying to figure yes. out if you guys yeah, actually disagree right at now. At times, yes. At times, I believe they should. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I thought you were saying like, yeah. I Give me an example of when they should. Um, I believe that if someone uh, leads someone to Christ and in the course of them discipling them, to follow Jesus and they come across this idea of baptism and they say, you need to be baptized. And they say, okay, I want to be baptized. That person, male or female, young or old, that they have the authority under Jesus to baptize them. And do you have any examples of that in scripture? Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch. But Philip was arguably a... But he was still, a, he was, he, okay, so, but let, let me go back to the words of Jesus because in, in the Great Commission, what does he say? What does he say? All authority has been given in heaven and earth on me. Go make disciples, right, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I've commanded you. Um, and I believe what do we always teach? We love to promote the whole premise of it is the responsibility of every disciple to make disciples. But under this, under this command of making disciples, he says you make disciples by baptizing them. So to me, if you're going to be, if you're going to follow the logic, what that means is, 
We cannot tell people, you have the authority to go and share Jesus with someone and make them a disciple of Jesus, and then tell them, yeah, but you're not allowed to baptize them. To me, you are dichotomizing the Great Commission. And so if Jesus said, make disciples, baptize them, teach them, we want everyone to be able to have the, to feel the 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 permission and the authority under Jesus to say, God's called me to make disciples. And under that, that means I not only have to teach them this other person, but I also have the opportunity to baptize them. So chronologically, did the Great Commission occur before or after the founding of the Church of Jerusalem? Before. Okay. What does that have to do? Well, I think you're I think you're extrapolating a principle prematurely. Well, even Paul said, I never really baptized anyone except for these few people. Why did he not baptize many people? He says he says this in the first it, Well, okay, he wasn't okay. a pastor, he was a missionary. That well, may have been I part mean, of but it. he <laughs> had the spiritual authority to say he was starting these churches. And even in starting these churches, whether it was Corinth or Philippi, he was not the one doing most of the baptizing. So who was doing most of the baptizing? It would have been the people who were new converts. The the but, other the other issue is going back to the again, if you go to Acts chapter two, you have the coming of the Holy Spirit, right? And in that moment, there's a description of what the church's activities were doing. And I can't remember what verse it was, but it says something to the fact of they were meeting in the temple daily, breaking bread in their homes. Now that that phrase, breaking bread in their homes, is a phrase re- referring to, obviously, you know, the Lord's Supper. They don't. They weren't just saying, and they were having meals together. They, that idea of bake. I don't know that I would agree that oh, that, that has. To me, breaking bread means fellowship. I, I think they were. I mean, we know from an, from the early earliest churches that they were when they met weekly. It was it was they celebrated the Lord's Supper. It was a weekly occurrence within the early church. We we know that for sure. Yeah. I believe that breaking of bread goes back to mirrors the breaking of bread that Jesus did at the Passover. They were constantly share you know remembering the Lord's death until he came back. And if you realize they were doing that daily in their homes, in these gatherings, whether it was a large gathering in in the temple or in the smaller gatherings in their homes, there's no way that the 12 apostles that were in charge were going to be running around making sure that they were that they were instituting it. it. It was done by the masses because what they were saying is, you now, we want you to commemorate this on your own. Again, I'm not saying that... Um, they they didn't have the authority to change the meaning of it. And I do believe it's the responsibility of the spiritual leaders in the church to make sure that they understand what it is. I get that. I understand the concern of turning communion and baptism into something that it's not because it can't happen. That's why greater discipleship is needed because we've all heard the stories of the youth group that decided to, oh, we want to teach on the Lord's Supper. So we had pepperoni pizza and grape soda. And I just, that. That's really stupid and dumb to me. Yeah. But but to me, so you have the commission of Jesus to his disciples to go make disciples. And we we would say today, that's for all of us, make disciples. But part of that is to baptize people. So I, I don't I don't dichotomize the command to make disciples and baptize from the Great Commission. The other thing is we see that played out in Acts chapter two. The other principle that I look at is you see. First Peter chapter two, um, when he talks about, let me let me just pull it up real quick so I can read it. That's I was looking this up. Um, okay, verse chapter two, verse four. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men 
but in the sight of God chosen and precious. He's talking to the church. He's talking to the people of the church. You yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. So referencing the temple, right? Um, To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So he's using Old Testament imagery, the temple, the priesthood, the sacrifices, and saying, you are now, you're all that. You all have this priesthood of believers. Well, in the Old Testament, you had this idea of the special, one tribe was only allowed to offer sacrifices. There was a special spiritual class within within the the nation of Israel, the, the, the Levites. Um, and even under the Levites, only certain certain Levites could even serve. But what he's saying here is, you all now, there's a spiritual priesthood that all of you now, the role that the priesthood had in the Old Testament of going and offering daily sacrifices, now that is all of us. That Christ now has given all of us a commission to be to be priests in, at some level for the name of Jesus. And so I think our identity as priests, I believe our the, the Great Commission, and I believe the example of the early church all tells me, I mean, even I know Philip was was one of the deacons, but he still wasn't one of the apostles who was like, all right, we're commissioning you to go do this. He was just, the spirit of God took him, met someone. Hey, do you want to be baptized? And he baptized him. There was no like, I got to go wait and check with Peter and John and make sure that you pass the test. I just, that's where I, that's why I believe what I believe. Yeah. So. And, and I think probably the strongest, to me, the strongest argument that is made by those who don't feel like it has to be done under some kind of ecclesiastical authority is the priesthood of the believer. One, of course, mm-hmm. you know, you and I both, again, coming from Baptist traditions, the priesthood of the believer is one of the primary Absolutely. tenets of ba- yes. being a Baptist. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I would probably counter is, is I think we both would agree that there are some standards that should be in, yes. in place. Yes. So now we're just kind of like, where, where is the line? Where's the standards? line? So yeah. would, you know, should someone who is um, um, in an adulterous affair um, serve communion? Should someone who has never been baptized, baptize? Should... Uh, well, I mean, you, you, there's even standards within our churches where... I grew up in a church. If you were not baptized, you couldn't partake in communion, right? Oh yeah, I mean, I knew those churches. I've never been in one. So that I, I grew up in that church that you were not allowed to take communion until you were baptized. Oh, oh, that yeah, and I actually believe that. Yeah. So, so I mean, <laughs> there's all kinds so let's, of. Let's pause on that one for just a moment. Yeah. So, do you believe in that or not? No, I don't believe in that. So, so I do, and here's why. Because huh. I, and I'm not <laughs> saying I can't be convinced to go over to your side. I'm just saying I once was there. I was once was lost, but now I'm found. (laughs) Well, let me me remove the scales of blindness from your eyes. (laughs) No, and people ask me this all the time about their children. And and I say this, you know, one of the reasons we take communion is for the purpose of reconciling, reconciliation, Mm -hmm. and repentance. Mm -hmm. There have been times I did not take communion because I was at odds with someone or because I had— it wasn't a matter, you know, because you always have this time of reflection where you repent of sins and, you know, reflecting sure, your heart yeah. as the Holy Spirit bring. But there were things that I had in my heart that if I had just said, Lord, please forgive me of those, 
it, it, my conscience was not, it wasn't sufficient. Yeah. I yeah. hadn't mourned it. I hadn't grieved it. So I didn't take communion. Yeah. There have been a time or two when I didn't serve communion for those mm. same reasons mm. because I just didn't feel, and it's frequent right now because I, I prep for the communion. Yeah. And if I don't have time between prepping the communion and preparing my heart to serve the communion, yeah. you'll, you'll find that I'll ask somebody to serve in my place yeah. because I take it that serious, yeah. Mm. Yeah. seriously. And again, it's not because I'm pious. It's because I overthink a lot yeah. of things. And well, you're a little pious. Well, <laughs> just a little. I am a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I just teasing. Teach, I do teach at a seminary. <laughs> but but on on this on this issue, for me, every time a person who's not baptized and they know they're supposed to be baptized, they're living in disobedience. Yeah, I can see that. Okay, so every time they take communion, they're being forced to deal with that. But if they get all the rights and privileges and all the exercise thereof and, and so forth, and and they don't have to be baptized in order to in, to to in, engage in those, th- there is there is no reason for them to be confronted about that. Hmm. So that's why, for my own children, we always said not until you're baptized. Yeah. Um. Often when I lead in communion, I, I yeah. I will and sometimes it. I can understand that for children because especially sometimes children make decisions based on I want mom and dad to like what I'm doing, or they get mm-hmm. caught up in a moment. And adults never pray a prayer. Just well, I mean, I, <laughs> I just, sarcastic. I, I do, sarcastic. I do think there's a point that you have. I'm not opposed to a church having that standard. Um, I'm also not opposed to a church not having that standard. We have dumbed down everything in church in the Western culture. I'm serious. We, we really have. We have dumbed it down, dumbed it down, dumbed it down. Why it's, do you think that is though? Because we're a bunch of narcissists. There's no longer yeah, – you don't really have to tie. You don't really have to – and I'm not saying that we need to start putting a bunch of legalistic rules in. But what what happened to our pursuit of the high standards of the holiness of God and obedience to him? And that and, – and so I, I don't – you know, and I, I don't want to overly pious this or, or so forth. But at some point, do, do we ever br- dust off the sacredness and the mystery? Mm. There's only two ordinances. They're only baptism and communion. Those are sacred moments. Yeah, I think I think what we're feeling is the You know tension. what I hate? Okay, I'm gonna rant. Can I rant for just a second? It's the it's, it's Yeah, I mean this is what we all to... we all listen <laughs> yes, so that you please. Well Dan rant today. It's those, <laughs> That's what we really want. It's those abominable COVID cups <laughs> that have the the purple water and the styrofoam Amen. disc. Preach, I hate preach, those brother. With a passion. Wait, the little clear plastic ones. Yeah, the ones we got sitting out there right now for people who are still afraid of COVID. And damn, am I going to get in trouble? Oh, <laughs> what were we doing before the little? Okay, cups? cut that out. Did we not have the little Make cups before COVID? We no, need no, to no, cut no, that no, part don't out. cut that out. He's <laughs> fine. I've been here since before COVID. I don't. What were we doing before COVID? I thought we were doing the little plastic cups. We do, we do, we do. But you know the ones that have the tinfoil covering and then the plastic covering? Oh, okay. Literally tastes like somebody ran over one of those styrofoam peanuts they used to use. Those are dumb. Yeah, and and the juices. What is the purpose of that? It's for convenience. It's for sanitation. It's for, it's blah, 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 blah. No, no. Let's be inconvenient. Let's 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 be risky. Dan wants to go back to the common cup. No, that's what he wants. He wants common cup. Please don't. I've been there too. It's not. No, you don't want to see stuff floating in the top of the cup. Yeah. No. But no. But but. if we use wine, we don't have to worry about it. It's all disinfected. How much of this should we be defining for the audience? Does everyone know what a common cup is? Common cup is when you have one chalice and everyone takes a sip and the 
the priest or the, you know, the bishop or whatever is holding pastors. it or pastor. Pastors. Um, they, that's a common, cup. And then, anybody. And then, there's <laughs> a common, there's a common they, cup. Sometimes they wipe they it. Wipe it. Yeah. They there's a common yes. cup. There's a common loaf and you take off the piece of the loaf and you take a sip, but the whole, but I they, at a church but can I tell you something? The bread in the cup. Can they do that as a symbol of the unity of the body? They do that as a symbol of that. They're saying we all drink from the same cup. We all take from well, the if same I'm loaf. Unity that way. I'm just going to kiss somebody right on the lips. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think the, the forms. There's so many variations, though. What you're like, I appreciate your rant. I do think there's been a a tension between high church and low church. Yeah. That when we grew up, there's a lot of there's still vestiges of high church um, things that we got from. Let's just be honest, Catholicism. That's still, mm-hmm. and then I think there's been a reaction away from that. To say we don't yes. want anything of An overreaction, any kind of order or any kind of form formality. And I think that I get it. There's some, there's some things I think people wish that felt sacred yep. that aren't sacred. There you go. Like, yeah. the, like the the fact that we now build our church buildings, you would never know utilitarian. Yes, if you never saw a church placard on it. And I'm, we live in one. We live in one. Like our church is one. But there was a day when you looked at a building and you said, that is a place of worship. Yeah. And I think that we, I think the younger generations, I'm wondering if they, they long for something like that again. I, I know that, they that, do. that they the, tell me that. the architecture of the office building in the mall that has replaced, you know, there's a great book I read and it's a very nerdy book, but it's basically about church architecture over history and hmm. how the very formation of the sanctuary or auditorium, the seating of it, mm-hmm. the the I mean, the stage design. Like there have been evolutions of this over the last few hundred years, and all of them have a theological reason for why things have shifted. I think that book ought to be mandatory reading again for mm. at least for seminary. It's students. real. It's yeah. a really fascinating read. But but to me, I think we're just now skimming this top of something that's really profound that we probably should talk more about. Yeah, because that's going to be a fun time. Yeah. We got to bring Jason in for that because Jason loves studying yeah. this kind so, of stuff. So wait, too. Josh, who won? Did Dan or so I win? I, well, I don't understand <laughs> what you guys disagree about. Here's he, so, so he, I, I want the clarity. Here, here, here's Josh, here's, here's what I believe. I believe that you can serve communion. Right. You think and I believe can. you can baptize someone. So does he, though. No, he doesn't. Ever? Not until you're a pastor or elder. Is that true? Yes, that's what you. Well, I'm not sure that the position I took is you should not. Okay, no, no, no. Okay, but I think we all agree with that. I definitely should not. But but can I ever? <laughs> like you all, you both agree. I think that generally speaking, like unless there is some extreme situation, it should be pastors and priests doing. No, I don't. Things, I don't right? think extreme. I think anyone should. He believes that you know. I, I wouldn't care. I would, in general. I think in general. Your small group. I think take communion I, as in long your as Sunday as, school class. Yeah. Have a picnic. Oh God. <laughs> Dan, way to misrepresent <laughs> straw man over here. <laughs> Pastor Ben just wants chaos. He wants chaos in the pews. This is. I've been watching too much we, Fox News. Okay. Can we just plan on Anything finishing? Is too much. Can we finish this conversation? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Let's do. It. All sorry. right. Yeah. Sorry, we got to end. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to finish it with something. No, we're out of time. I mean, I I just think people can turn us off at any moment. We'll never know. I think you, I think you hold to a more high church form of order and security of, of making sure things are done right. And that fits who you are. 
I am more about let's let everyone, I believe it, I want everyone to have the experience of leading someone mm. to Christ and baptizing someone because I believe it's part of the, if I'm going to tell someone that you, the great commission is for you, then I'm given also giving them the authority that Jesus gave us to baptize people. And, and on, and on this, Ben and I agree, discuss it among yourselves, yeah, but there you go. do not fight, do mm-hmm. not argue and do not separate. Okay. It'll be okay. Yeah. The Lord will correct Ben when we get to heaven. <laughs> I don't even know what our, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> I, and I hate to even acknowledge this. I don't even you. know what our position is at our church. I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah. if, if Ben's wrong, you're going to hell. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, Ben. One of these days, I'm going to dress Dan up in a robe and he's going to have common cup up in the front giving oh everyone. Like, I, yeah. I would pay money. To have Dan just have the let's just all go high church. I don't feel like you got to pay him money, Ben. I think you'd do it. I think you just got to ask. I think I think you would do it. I have the robe, you know. You have the robe, and you're if you would hold the cup. Now you are in charge of who gets to drink that cup. It's really weird because I grew up in a super informal environment, and you know, I just but But the older I get, the it fits your personality though, Dan, because you care about order and you care about. I think it also fits. The closer I get to death, <laughs> the more concerned I am. I about- thought you were going to say yeah, the closer I get to Jesus, but you're like the closer I get to death. No, well that's true too. Well, that hopefully is one and the same. <laughs> but you know, the, I I do believe that our informant informality um, has come at a cost. That I wish I we agree could with. I agree with you on that. Yeah. I just want. I want people to feel empowered to obey the Bible the way that I believe the authors meant it to and be. And you know obeyed. what I hate about my argument? It's the same argument. Some people, I wish we had our hymnals back. Yeah. I wish it a day when everybody yeah. wore a suit and yeah. tie and a hat. No. You know, I hate those well, arguments. I mean, anyone can always go that direction. But yeah. I think it, it, I had a, I've had experiences now in Catholic churches and Anglican churches and Eastern Orthodox churches. And I'm, I'm a low church worship guy. I've been that yes. way since I was 11. I can say there is something that sometimes we are missing. I yes. So we so there's yeah, we clearly agree. that common yes. ground. We yeah. agree there needs to be at least that much order. Yeah. Exactly what that should look like. Like I don't think it means only hymnals. Yeah. But there's I, I and I don't know what the answer is, but I would like to figure out a way for low churches to get back to figure out how do we make it God right. a little bit more sacred right. or this right. experience more yes. sacred. This is why, you know, we've been talking about getting a website up for Life Talks mm-hmm. so that people could get back on there and and right debate the among themselves and argue and mm. and we would have to referee it, yeah. I'm sure. But but Life Talks Reddit started that. <laughs> oh, no, there you go. <laughs> no. But I, I you know, we do we do hope that these stimulate conversations. But again, yeah, if you know me and Ben and and Josh we love these kind of topics, yep. but we love each other That's more, right. and so we love much. Christ most. Yep. Yep. And so we're able to we're able to have these fun conversations, mm-hmm. and 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 still you know maintain uh, all the joy of our Christian. That's brother. right. Yep. And I won. <laughs> are you going to close this podcast? Yeah, I'm sorry. One that never well, you were on a roll. You were on a roll. You sounded like you were really good about to say, and thanks for ta- thanks for this. Okay. No, I think we end it right with Ben's and, and, thank and I you. want. I think, that's, that, I think you just thank hard you exit. for joining us on Life Talks. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs> and I won. <laughs> You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. 
We'd love to hear from you as well. So leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit lifecharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.